Goes to Hollywood. My name is Sonny Bunch. I'm culture editor at The Bulwark. Uh, and I'm very pleased to be joined today by Brooks Barnes. Uh, now, uh, Mr. Barnes is a staff reporter at The New York Times uh, and has a really great piece out um, on a part of the industry that has changed a lot over the last couple of years here, but I think nobody has really gotten good numbers on it. And he finally got some good numbers. And we're going to we're going to talk about those today, but also just the shift in general. Um, and that has to do with premium video on demand. Now, premium video on demand, uh, I will ask you to explain here in a moment what that is compared to uh, other types of video on demand, streaming on demand, whatever, uh, sure. and all that. But thanks for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate your asking. The uh, I, I've been sort of hammering on Universal for a while to give me some numbers, in part because they kept complaining that uh, when I wrote about box office, you know, it, it was taking an outdated view. We make a lot of money on PVOD. You don't understand. Uh, that's coming from the focus people. <laughs> and and uh, I was like, okay, well, great. Well, tell me how much money you're making. Um, so, you know, we don't have a lot of numbers, but we have some. And so to explain the the offering, you know, since the 90s, uh, people have been able to order movies um, on demand through a, a, their TV set or, late, you know, more recently iTunes or Google Play. And that usually happens after the the exclusive theatrical window of about 90 days, right? So it's about these days it can be $6 to rent a movie then it can be $15 to buy one but what universal did during the pandemic is move uh that way up actually they still offer that traditional VOD window but they created a new one they called premium VOD or PVOD <laughs> and um that can happen after as little as 17 days and they just they they uh charge much much more there, there are a couple of different things to unpack here. So, uh, you know, one of the things that, that is worth discussing is the breakdown of the theatrical window. You know, this is a thing that the theater owners have fought for a long time. They, they wanted to keep a 90-day window of exclusivity in theaters. Um, and during the pandemic, obviously, that was a hard thing to keep going because right. you had folks who wouldn't go to theaters. You had cities that, where theaters weren't even open. So it was it was hard to maintain that that window. Uh, and one of the things that you mentioned in your story that I had kind of forgotten about, but was reminded uh, is that AMC negotiated a cut of the revenue on these on these things. Right. Yes. Yeah, so, like, you know, some of the backstory was Universal said uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, well, we're just going to make these three movies um, available um, entirely on demand. Trolls was one of them, the sequel to the animated movie. And AMC sort of stumped its feet and made it very clear that they would not play anything uh, that um, infringed on their exclusive window. So, you know, it's part of brinkmanship negotiations from these guys. And ultimately, Universal cut them in. We don't know how much. It's a small percentage. Um, so they get they get a bit of that uh, premium VOD money, which basically Universal has then made other deals with other theater chains, and it makes them sort of grudgingly okay with um, having that window shortened. 
because one of the one of the things that's really interesting about uh, premium video on demand is especially with how Universal is using it. And I feel like Universal is doing it differently than most of the other studios. They yeah. they seem to be more aggressively uh, moving more. stuff onto PVOD, right? Yeah, the other studios. I think. I think um, in terms of time, is that what you mean by aggressive? Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. I think Paramount uh, may do it at thirty days in some instances. Warner Brothers has been more sixty days after their whole Project Popcorn day and date um, experiment. We, we'll call it. <laughs> and and uh, which so, was remind remind folks uh, uh, what that, HBO so, Max so, did. Yeah, during the pandemic, uh, Warner Brothers, HBO Max, uh, they said that they're going to they would release an entire year's worth of movies simultaneously in theaters and on HBO Max. So that's a little confusing because HBO Max is not video on demand; right. it's streaming, right? Uh, but but so Universal has been uh, really, again, kind of aggressively shortening that window. I mean, I there was just news this week that uh, the new Fast and Furious movie is coming to PVOD. I believe on Friday, June 9th. Isn't that it? Was was is that I didn't the... see that, but okay. but that sounds about right. Yeah. Um, they and and you have to remember, and we, I didn't mention this in the story uh, just because of length, but um, you know, Universal is owned by a cable company that. Uh, has a, a video on demand business. So they have for a long time wanted been the most aggressive in wanting to shorten that window speed movies to uh, their customers for sale. It's interesting to, to look at the, the, the strategy here just because uh, the, you know, again, I, I understand where the theaters are coming from. I understand where the studios are coming from. Um, but the the most fascinating part of your story was the the universal saying that they think they have found a new audience here, not maybe a brand new customer. Yeah, basically a brand new type of customer. Right? Explain explain the logic there on Universal's end. So the big question on uh, offering this at, as soon as 15, seventeen days into theaters, which would be about three weekends, was will it cannibalize ticket sales? Will people be less willing to go out and go to a theater when they know they can see that movie in just a few weeks at home. Secondly, how much would it cannibalize the downstream traditional VOD business, which is still quite sizable. And Universal has said now after three years that there is almost, they found almost no impact on ticket sales. And in my sort of crunching a bunch of numbers using just Comscore data, uh, it, it looks like they're right. And in some cases, it actually ticket sales have been stronger after the arrival of um, PVOD. And we can talk about maybe why that is. Um, and they say, although they would not give me specifics on how much uh, it is, it, it has cut into the traditional downstream BOD, but they say that it's small. Mm -hmm. So... We have to take their word on that, <laughs> and and um, the but but even if it's twenty five percent, let's say, which which isn't small to me, but uh, let's just use that hypothetically. That's still a lot of new money um, coming in, and they, in talking to Donna Langley and and um, her folks, they say that they think it's a new per new customer who doesn't who's interested in the movie, not price conscious or less price conscious willing to uh but wants to see the movie sooner mm -hmm. it's either that person 
or it's a you know rabid fan went to the theater and and doesn't want to wait i'm i i'm I'm curious to see if uh well i'm I'm curious if if they gave you any breakdown on the difference between family behaviors and uh non-family behaviors because one of the numbers that jumped out to me was look here's the movies that have made the most money on pvod uh for universal are super mario brothers movie um sing to i think it was uh one of the sing trolls to, all of the big franchises right yeah. are, are are you know minions rise of Gru, f9 jurassic world dominion um i actually have a list here of, of the biggest ones uh, some of them uh i mean super mario brothers has taken in 75 million yeah. already uh so um that's that's the biggest under this model um with I guess if you accepting trolls, which has got an asterisk of its own because it never sure. played in theaters. Sure. So, but some of the other ones were the Black Phone, uh, uh, Megan, Nobody, that which is a focus movie, News of the World, the mm-hmm. the Tom Hanks drama, uh, sort of pandemic impacted. Um, but yeah, families for sure. Uh, you can rent that or pay that that price and just play it over and over and over again, right? Well, I, I'm curious. So one of, one of the reasons I ask this is because is I'm curious if they provided a breakdown on rentals versus purchases, because I would yeah. imagine. So if you were if I'm sitting at home with my kids who are like, we want to watch Super Mario Brothers again, I know in my head that means they want to watch it every day. For the next times for, for the next this week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that, that that then pushes me to spend the extra five or ten dollars or whatever and purchase as opposed to rent. I mean, did they do, do you have any sense of how that dynamic is really playing out? Yeah, they didn't get into that, okay. um, unfortunately. But the prices are pretty are pretty steep early early in there. It's uh, 20 as much as twenty five dollars to rent. Uh, for forty eight hours and thirty dollars to buy. So right. if you're if you're looking at a, a repeat family offering, that thirty dollars is actually probably pretty reasonable. Yeah, I mean, it just I look again. I know as somebody who has sometimes had to do these things for work, I think to myself, well, I, I guess I might as well spend the extra five dollars because if I ever watch it again, that's going to be the cost of a VOD rental down the line or sure, you know, sure. DVD or Blu Ray or whatever. I might as well. Um, just do that. So let's let's talk about the actual uh, financial benefit here. For well, you, uh, before we get to that, actually, you had you had mentioned wh- you you have thoughts on why um, some of these things do uh, increase ticket sales as give, as give we, ticket sales a boost. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I talked to start, I talked to them about marketing because one of the things that studio executives had had been saying for a long time is that we want to be we need to be uh, smarter with our marketing money. And if we offer VOD closer to the theatrical re- release, we can compress some of that marketing spend, some of the, you know, overlap. And they said that they were not spending less in marketing overall, but they felt like, you know, had having moving, having moved money from, you know, the traditional VOD window, basically uh, up that second boost of marketing telling people that you can buy it in the home had had some bleed over to people realizing oh it can also see it in theaters but also in some cases like with um puss in boots right that that another family movie that was available on via pvod very early 
that word of mouth started helping the theatrical run also. I mean, how does that actually did they did they get into how they think that actually works? Because if I'm you know, again, if I'm uh, if I haven't gone to see it in theaters yet, but it's also at home, I'm I'm not sure why I would take my kids to, to see that. Well, I guess it depends on how much you want, uh, you know, your various forms of babysitting, <laughs> you know, an activity or, or an activity or whatever, you know, like, oh, my neighbor said, you know, they bought it and their kids won't stop watching it. Um, okay, so that you know, let's plan that that Saturday day. After all, it's kind of like an insurance policy, almost. Like mm-hmm. you know, you don't want to pay to, and go through the hassle of going through a theater unless someone tells you, or you have a pretty high confidence that it's going to be a payoff. I mean, that's mm-hmm. why we have so many sequels. <laughs> <laughs> the actual financials here are also really interesting um, for for the the studios because I, you know, one of the things that you internalize when you spend a lot of time looking at studio financials is all right a 300 million dollar gross isn't actually 300 million dollars to the studio it's you split that with the the theaters and then there are distribution fees and you know foreign splits are different from domestic splits right but vod is actually a really good deal in terms of the the revenue splits for the studios right Yes, it's a high, much higher margin. So they they get to, they keep about eighty percent, even a little more in some cases, depending on the platform. And then the rest of that balance goes to, you know, the, the online store, and then a, that small slice to the theater owner. Yeah. And- so compared that to fifty fifty or even forty. Uh, percent that they're keeping on on ticket sales, you know, they can, you can see why. They suddenly like that. They like this business a lot. They want to. They want to build it. Yeah, and the the you know the other thing that you mentioned briefly, but I think is really worth hitting on here is that you know Universal in particular is owned uh, by Universal Comcast is all one big happy family, right? They're you know Focus Features, Universal Comcast. They're all kind of yeah. in in. So that's essentially another stream of revenue for for the company. The the cut that the cable companies keep. Right. Yeah. In that case, if you're buying it through Comcast, you know, my, my mom, for example, has Comcast, you know, we were just there. Okay, sure. I'll, I'll rent that movie. I'll pay. I forget what we paid for. Uh, probably F9. I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to. I mean, I want to disclose what we paid for. Um, but but yeah, that's that's then going to Comcast. You're right. And another another kind of interesting little nugget in this story is the uh, the way that this is benefiting smaller art house pictures, right? So Focus is the uh, the 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 prestige arm of uh, Universal, let's call it, right. and they they uh, have found, if not quite a replacement for DVD revenue, at least um, uh, a a little bonus. Yeah. So in in the with focus movies, the you know it's much much thinner in terms of profitability, right? The budgets are smaller, the profit is often smaller, all of that. So, if you have even a few million, couple million dollars in added profit from PVOD, they're saying that can really make the difference financially for some of these little movies or uh, comedies, dramas that have not been doing well post pandemic. And it, 
as they explained it, it, it and there's some as they explained it there's as they, <laughs> sorry as they explained it uh it has allowed them to continue in that business where most other studios have cut way back right you know 10 10 releases theatrically a year maybe um 12 15 universal has done i think they have 26 planned for this year so they say that that added money uh without it they would have to cut back now Mm -hmm. the asterisk there is that they need the theatrical buy-in so the messaging is to sort of theaters like let us do this and we'll continue giving you a large volume of movies Mm -hmm. yeah i mean have has there been any pushback in the now that the pandemic is you know over and folks the box office revenue is recovering to kind of um if not quite pre-pandemic levels close enough that it that it uh, makes sense to to keep things in theaters. I mean, have they have they experienced any uh, buyers regret on the part of the theaters? Uh, have the theater owners pushed back and said, "We need you to stop doing this," or what? I didn't find any of that. I talked to a couple of theater owners, um, you know, a couple one CEO, and uh, they seem they didn't want to talk about it publicly uh, because they th- still think it kind of undercuts their business, at least if uh, to some customers, but. They they seem pretty happy with getting a slice. Mm-hmm. No other studios have really followed so far. So at least to the degree that Universal has. So whether if there was a big herd mentality up to that seventeen days, I, I think that might change the calculus. Mm-hmm. One of the things uh, that you reported in your story uh, it's it's a, a quote from Julia Alexander for a, a previous sure. guest on uh, the Bulwark Coast of Hollywood, one of our favorites here. We love Julia. Um, uh, but she 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 told you that they have at Parrot Analytics, where she works, uh, seen some impact on uh, streaming on the 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 audience for a streaming movie after it is available on PVOD in this early window. Right? Can you can you talk about that a little bit and explain exactly what that means and what that effect might look like? Sure. So the whole the whole thing here is trying to maximize value for each film, right? So we have we can get as many people to buy a ticket as we can. Then we want to have this new window revenue stream premium VOD. Then we sell it on traditional and on VOD and DVD. Then after that, it goes to streaming. And what she was pointing out is when you sell it so early on at, in this premium VOD setting that can impact negatively the value of the movie to the streaming service in terms of subscriber acquisition, mm-hmm. more people, it, it's just sort of, you know, when, when you think about it, it, it makes sense that if more people have already rented, have rented it, own it, they're going to be less likely to sign, to sign up for a, a Peacock subscription when it arrives. Right, which makes sense. I think I think we can all understand that intuitively. Um, at the same time, I've always been. Uh, this is one of my my long running theories slash hobby horses is that I I have never been entirely convinced how many people are signing up for streaming services for movies as opposed to original TV shows, which I feel like yes. is where the the real money is. But I I don't know. I can imagine it's, the folks. I can imagine the folks at Peacock. Going to the folks at Universal and being like, 
you're killing us here. You're killing us. You gotta you gotta help yeah, us out. I, but I'm sure, right? And and so and again, why is Universal so hot on this where others are not? It's also part of how that company is is set up, right? You've got the Comcast uh, piece. You've got Peacock, where they've always been less all in than than a Max, for example, or a Disney Plus. So. They've decided basically, or their strategy is going to be, um, we want more dollars <laughs> in a transactional case, and we think they think that they didn't say this to me in the interviews, but I inferred that they think just what you said that the value in terms of su- getting a stream- streaming subscriber is less for those for movies, and I think Julia and other people would tell you that that's true, right? That that. Uh, television series and library are actually much more important than new movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's interesting. I mean, we're in such a weird, uh, it's such a weird time in the business of Hollywood where I think nobody knows, I, you know, what's the the line, the William Goldman line, nobody knows anything. I feel like nobody know. everybody knows even less than they knew before. Even less. That's, that's very true. <laughs> because it's, it's, it's really all, not. Yeah. I mean, it's really it's not even a movie by movie thing anymore. It's an entire business model thing. I mean, uh, you know, um, the I'm I'm sure you read it, but the the long piece in New York Magazine about you know how the streaming model is broken. Yeah. Um, I read that and I'm like, yeah, no, that's basically what I've seen for the last two years here, and nobody has any idea how to fix it. It's it's all it's all bad. And I was talking to someone uh, this week at, and she at lunch who runs a big production company, and she was saying that. Just they just feel exhausted, or that's you know speaking for herself. In that you know studio, as a seller to studios and streaming services, it's like okay, run this way. No, oh wait, now we're gonna run that way. Now your guess is as good as mine. I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's sort of at some point, um, people are feeling it's it's pretty bleak out there. It's uh, it is definitely wild. I mean, I, and this is one one of the reasons why I was so excited to actually finally see some numbers from Universal, because I, I do feel like the studios have played all of this so close to their chest that it's kind of hard to judge, you know, how how this is working out. Totally. We have to rely on their uh, hopefully not wanting to. um get in any shareholder lawsuits for misleading them with these number, these few cherry pick numbers. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, I mean, that is something you have to think about as, as a journalist, right? Like, well, why, why are they coming to me with these numbers instead of some others? Yeah. Yeah, of course. And wanting, needing to double check it on my own to the degree that I can talk to other people uh, that they didn't know I talked to and uh, try to, you know, uh, am I really, what, what are the trap doors here? Mm-hmm. Are we, mm-hmm. are we, uh, setting ourselves up, uh, to be used? All of those, those things are things that I think about. Ultimately, in this case, we felt like because it was something that I had been sort of, you know, trying to pry out for a while and, and it didn't all come in one swoop, you know, it, they said, well, here are a couple things. And I was like, mm, yeah, that isn't really good enough. What about, you know, uh, you know, let's look more at the focus films and how are they doing? And and so that made a difference to us um, instead of just a, like, you know, here's some numbers on a silver platter. Why don't you write those up? Yeah, we <laughs> probably don't do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the famous dadic dotes 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> we, all, we all love yeah and pour over and uh no it's it's interesting i mean i i i i assume that they they did not betray any sense of trepidation here but uh i figure it's worth asking uh you know i mean look i look at what has happened with disney and um the performance of disney's animated theatrical like set aside avatar the way of water which obviously huge massive right. hit is finally on is my kids excitedly called me into the room today or yesterday, and we're like, Dad, look, Avatar, The Way of Water's on Disney Plus. I was like, Oh, do you want to watch it? They're like, No, we don't want to watch it. We're gonna watch it. <laughs> I was like, Okay, well, that's that's fine. But the, that sounds but, about right. But uh, but um, you know, uh, the the animated features for Disney have all kind of suffered theatrically at the box office, and there's you know, you can you can look at any uh, number of different data points and say, Well, they aren't they aren't as good, or you know, Oh, there was right. the pandemic, or you know, it's hard to it's hard to separate all that out. Um, but I, I do think that there is a not small uh, case to be made that the actual act of putting so many movies on Disney streaming in such short order um, has undercut the ability to sell tickets at the theater. I I, I mean, was it has it, to. It has to. Right. It you has know, to. Tonight, tonight in, in here in L.A., they have they're having the premiere for Elemental the next Pixar movie and it's at the Academy museum in, in 15 years, I have never seen Disney not do a premiere at its own theater, the El Cap in Hollywood, right? Maybe it's booked tonight. I don't know that for sure, but what I assume is happening is that they know that they need to elevate that uh, Pixar release. It's, it's something you know, that's addressing the quality problem or question when you're automatic, when you're associating with the Academy, right? It's like, this is art. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the tracking, tracking on that movie has been a little soft and whether it's sort of the, the squishy reviews that came out of can, whether it's the fact that people have been trained to see Pixar movies on Disney plus now, uh, you know, it, it's it's a definitely a challenge for them. Yeah, I mean, I, I was there any was there any sense of worry on that point uh, from Universal? Because I mean, look, I I look at something like Fast Ten going to PVOD twenty one days after release, or I'm pretty sure it was twenty one days after release, and thinking to myself, I, this. You know, look, the the movie is struggling at the domestic box office. I cannot imagine a universe in which this helps that next entry in the series. But maybe it also doesn't matter that much. Maybe these things are so right. front loaded that it just doesn't matter. When you look at the the um, box office performance on a on a chart, it just falls off like a cliff after that after that first couple weekends, three weekends mm-hmm. for sure, and. Um, I think that they, at this point on some of these franchises, they've started realizing, I mean, it's such fan service at this point, right? That they're, they've almost given up on broadening it, it out to other, to other audiences. It's like, okay, we're going to load these movies with every little trick and trick or treat that, that the fans will like get them out and then move it into the, the pipeline to milk it in other ways. 
Yeah. I want, just for uh, for clarity's sake, I mean, the thing that you mentioned about the, the box office charts is a real one. What What's the percentage of revenue that generally comes in the first uh, 17 days or whatever? It's it's some enormous it's, percentage. It's an enormous percent. I'm forgetting what it what it is exactly but i was i I do have a couple of things here actually on uh showing the the impact of premium vod so for example um let's look at the last fast movie f9 when it um opened so when it went on to pvod after 35 days and uh after that time it did 4.4 percent of its total domestic box office the previous installment in the fast franchise never went on to pvod didn't exist it did four percent of its total domestic box office after that 35 day point so it's a little it's a you know you're, you're dealing with aging franchises and different quality and in you know different stars in some cases but it's it's very little ultimate box office after that 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 uh they throw the lever yeah no i mean it's it it is interesting again the only thing i worry about is training audiences that in the idea that you you know if you if you're just willing to sit out for that first couple weeks you watch it at home and that is not ideal it's not ideal, but and, it, and it's specifically with the focus movies. I mean, one thing I didn't really get into is that those those specialty art house movies, Tar was a focus movie, mm-hmm. for example, the coming uh, Wes Anderson movie, and the those movies build slowly over time, typically, mm-hmm. right? Like you know, there's that limited rollout, a few a few hundred more theaters, a few hundred more, and so if you're telling your audience that oh well we, you can only you only have to wait a few weeks that specific more sophisticated older audience um you know that that is a potential long-term problem in my in my eye yeah no it, it's it's a thing i think about a lot it's a thing i think about more than i should frankly since i'm neither a shareholder nor a you know studio exec <laughs> just well, as that's a what we count on you theaters. for <laughs> just as a just as a fan of theaters, I, I worry about this sort of thing. Um, was there anything? Was there? So you mentioned. I mean, look, it's it's a it's a New York Times news story. So you have a limited amount of space. What was some? What? Give me give me a deleted scene, so to speak, from your. A what was something scene. you couldn't? What was something you couldn't get in the piece that you 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 really wanted to? Well, actually, those percentages I okay. didn't get into <laughs> okay. the story because you know, it, as it went through the copy editing process, people were very confused about the you know can we just simplify this down? I'm like, yes, but I don't want to you know. <laughs> People like you know, numbers. People want numbers. It's, it's Come on. forever that that tug of war between like this story is too lo- this story is too long. Okay, I'll give you a shorter one, and then but but don't we need to explain? Well, we could, but you're not going to get that length. <laughs> you know, um, Jurassic World Dominion. Here's another stat. Um, it went on to PVOD on day 35. Did 5.9 percent of its uh, box office after that point domestically. Interestingly, the the movie before actually did a little bit better. Didn't you know? Never didn't. It played exclusively in theaters the whole time. It did six point six percent of its box office after after day thirty five. So mm-hmm. not a big difference, um, but but a little dent for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's interesting. I don't know. 
Uh, all right. I, I always like to close uh, these interviews by asking if there's anything I should have asked. If you think there's uh, something oh, that's my trick. know about the <laughs> haha. See, I'm stealing all your tricks. Uh, but uh, this is, uh, but it's, but it's, uh, it's an important thing because I think you know. Look, there, I don't. There are things I don't know that I don't. There are unknown. What is it? There are known unknowns and there are unknown unknowns. What are yeah. my unknown unknowns? Hmm. I think that that. The thing that I found that people were most confused by in the both the reader comments and and a couple of editors in the process was just how many different ways studios still splice and dice this this stuff, right? And there's a lot of confusion around just how every studio does it differently. So in Universal's case, you've got they go to theaters, they go to this premium video on demand. They keep playing in theaters. Then they go to rental and VOD traditionally at a lower price point. Then they go to streaming on Peacock. Then they go to streaming on Netflix. Then they come back to streaming on on Peacock. (laughs) And that's just one studio, right? And the timing is all different. And I think that, um, you know, if one thing I did hear from Universal people about in terms of a worry is... um, or, you know, maybe they put it, they framed it differently. They framed it as it, it would be better for them. And they think the, stu- the studio system as a whole, if there was more uh, lockstep, if there was, you know, people had a the general consumer had a better idea of when things would be available, where and how. Yeah, no, that makes I mean, there, that definitely makes sense. And it's a thing I hear from people all the time who are trying to figure out where a movie is playing, what channel, I mean, set aside the windows, you know, just yeah. trying to find the actual channel it's on is a, uh, or the streaming service it's on is a, is a enormous headache for lots of folks. But they, who knows? I mean, in my, in my uh, conspiratorial thinking, I'm like, they're doing this on purpose. They're making it super confusing. So I just give up searching on what streaming service it's on and just buy it on DVD or buy, buy it on PVOD. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, was there was there any chatter from the Universal folks about physical media and, and how that market is either dead or is like just kind of ossified to a point that it's like, well, if we get money from DVD and Blu-ray, that's great. It but really did seem that way. It, it yeah. seemed like, you know, that's that business is over. What Whatever we get is is gravy. They, they were not ready at all to uh, say the same thing about that traditional VOD uh, mm-hmm. business. That's interesting. That yeah. is interesting. And uh, again, as a as a fan of DVDs, that makes me sad. But yeah, uh, well, Blu-rays, but 4Ks, whatever, whatever, whatever I'm buying now, whatever format I can find it in. Um uh, all right. Well, that was everything I wanted to ask. Uh, thank you so sure. much uh, for the time, Brooks. I really appreciate it. Uh, and there will be a link to the story in the uh, email that goes out with this. So, you know, I hope I hope folks check it out. Uh, and uh, my name is Sonny Bunch. I'm culture editor at The Bulwark. And I'll be back next week with another episode. We'll see you guys then. Mm-hmm.